0: Thank you, Jeff. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy almost New Year. We're not quite there, right? It's right around the corner. Thank you for being here. And I don't know about you, but man, you guys really show up when you know I'm going to preach less time. And uh, so you're thankful for that, apparently. So thank you for doing that. Uh, But no, seriously, Happy New Year. I'm not going to be up here for very long. This is going to actually be pretty short because we want to give you time to specifically punch in your word, your phrase, your thought for this coming year, 2024. But before we do that, I do want to share just a few thoughts and get us thinking maybe in the right direction a little bit, okay? So, Uh, When I was a kid, uh, I grew up in elementary school in that that kind of age. We grew up in South Dakota, Rapid City, South Dakota, and right next to our house was a couple of culverts. Now, I have a picture of this. Let's show them the picture. Uh, A culvert is basically just a cement tube that is really built for runoff water. It's not really a sewer or sewage line. It's really for when there's overflow of water, major storms. And Let me just tell you, in Rapid City, South Dakota, it was always dry, and so when the storms would hit, there would be a lot of water and the ground would be so dry, the water would just run a kind of across the the ground. And so we had a whole bunch of these culverts that would run the storm water off. Well, next to our house, we had two of those big, big ones. They were a lot bigger than that. And uh, my brother and I and our friends, we would play in and around those culverts all the time because right next to our house, you could catch snakes, frogs, turtles, crawdads, let me just tell you, some of you are like, and I'm like, this is a boy's best like, dream, like, this is awesome. We can catch any animal you can find, and it was just that's where we spend a lot of our time. Well, on this particular day, I wasn't catching animals, I, uh, my brother must not have been around for some reason, I wasn't playing with him, so I was playing with this girl in the neighborhood, I don't know, we were in second or third grade, whatever it was, and uh, we decided that it would be a good idea and fun to throw rocks at each other. That was the game that we decided. Some of you are like, you're not too bright, are you? Well, okay. So that's what we decided to do. Now, we weren't literally throwing the rocks at each other per se. We were just throwing them in the general vicinity, kind of throwing rocks back and forth. Sometimes, you know, they would land in front of us. We'd pick it up. I'd throw it back. And she was kind of down the hill by the culvert, and I was at the top of the hill. And so we were chucking these rocks back and forth, and everything was fine. Like, we were chucking it, and I'd pick them up. I'd throw it back to her. We were having a great time until... Uh, She threw a rock at the same time that I was bending down to pick up more rocks, right? And because she threw it at just that perfect moment, I didn't see the rock coming, so I didn't know to dodge, and so it hit me in the back of the head from about probably 30 yards away, and it was about the size of a golf ball, and it had points on it. So it hit me in the head, and as soon as it hit me, I kind of stood up and was like, ow, that hurt. You know, it hit pretty hard, and immediately I felt this warm sensation running down the back of my head, my neck, my shirt. You know what that is, right? That was blood, and it was a lot of it. How many of you have had a head injury? You know it bleeds constantly. It just doesn't stop. And so all of a sudden, I run in, and my parents are like, what are you doing? I was like, we were throwing rocks back and forth at each other. (laughs) Right. Of course you were. Have you ever had your kid running in, and you go, what were you doing? Or what were you thinking, you know? That was one of those moments. And so I go in, I'm just covered in blood on the back. And so they're like, okay, clearly this is a serious situation. So they ran me to the ER, to the hospital, to the ER. And I go in. And remember, I'm just a kid, so I don't know, you know, the culverts and all that. Kind of, I, I call them culverts now, but I didn't know they were called culverts back then. And so I go in, and the nurse, you know, kind of sits me down. She's kind of taking a look at my head, and she's making conversation. She also is trying to find out what actually happened. And she said, well, what were you doing, you know, when this happened, when the rock hit you? And I said, we were playing in the sewer. <laughs> and my mom's sitting right there. She goes, hold on, wait a minute. She had to clarify. You know, she's like, I was not letting my son play in the sewer. So they were, it's a culvert, it's a runoff. They were playing in, you know, around that or whatever. And so I didn't know what it was called. I just knew it was like, okay, it looks like a sewer. And so they stitched me up, sent me home. I was fine. But I tell you that story for two reasons. One, I want all of you to understand why your pastor is the way that he is. (laughs) But two... I want to make this statement because it's true, decisions matter. Decisions matter. What we choose in life to do on a daily basis, on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis, especially over time, decisions matter. Don't they? Both good and bad. And so today, what I want to talk about for just a few minutes, before we get to stamping our word and doing all that stuff, we'll get to that, But before we do that, I want to talk about decision-making, but I want to take it beyond what we normally would probably think of as human beings for decisions. Because I don't know if you're like me, but uh, for me, when I have to make a decision, I like to look at facts. I'm a detailed guy. I look at facts. Uh, I might make a list of like if I have to decide between two pathways, I might do a pros and con list. Have you ever done that? Pros and cons, okay, pros and cons if I do this, pros and cons if I do that, and then we compare them, and if the pros outweigh over here, I'm like, okay, maybe this one makes sense. And we maybe talk to people who are experts in what we're trying to decide and see what their advice is. We kind of look at the evidence. We look at the facts. We try to decide, make a good decision. I don't know about you, but that's what I tend to do. But I want to take decision-making to a different level today, a deeper level For those of us in here who claim to be followers of Christ, not everybody in here claims that, and I know, that's okay. But for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, we believe in God, we believe Jesus, we believe that God not only loves us, but wants to actually help guide and direct our life in the way that we should go. If you believe in the same God that we just sang about, the same God of Moses and David and all that, it is the same God who wants to guide and direct your life. He wants you to face Goliath. He wants you to part the sea. He wants you to do these things that are amazing and they're not going to be the same things that those guys did because you're different, and that's okay. But the question is, how do we figure out what God wants us to do? That has to go beyond facts. That has to go beyond evidence. It has to go deeper than just seeing things with our eyes. So I want to give you a new word today. Now, this is a word you've probably never heard of, you've probably never used before. Um, but, and the reason is because this is a Greek word. So here's the word. It's anakrino. How many of you have used that word a lot? Okay, probably not. Because it's a Greek word. And it's a Greek word that's found, I don't know, somewhere in the range of 10, 15, maybe 20. I didn't count it up. 10, 15, 20 times in the New Testament. Now, remember, the New Testament portion of the Bible was originally written in Koine Greek, which is a common Greek language back then, ancient Greek, okay? Uh, Now, this is the English version. If I were to put this into actual Greek, this is what the word looks like. Isn't that cool? Now, I don't know how many of you know Greek. Some of you might in here know Greek. I know a very, very, very small amount because it's a really hard language to learn, at least for me uh, as a second language. And so I've studied a few words, but that's it. I, I definitely can't speak it. I definitely can't read it. It's a hard language, but that's what it looks like. Now, what does anacrino mean? Anacrino means this it means to divide or separate or examine closely or deeply. It means to go beyond what you see, it means to go deeper than the facts, it means to go deeper than just looking at a pros and cons list. Anacrino means to, it's different than decision, it's another D word, to discern. You know what discernment is? Decision making is where you look at the facts. Discernment is where you're listening for something else, and that listening is God's voice. Discernment. This year, I want to suggest that the best thing that we can do is to not just make decisions But discern the right ways to go. To listen to what God is saying, the truth is, and what we should be doing. Now, there's two parts to discernment. You guys are probably already ahead of me on this. The first part is you have to hear God correctly, you have to hear His voice, discern what His voice is saying. And the second thing is, it's really simple, you have to do what He says. Hear Him correctly, do what He says. Hear Him correctly, do what he says. Hear him correctly. Follow and obey. Now, I want to give you an example of this from Scripture. When there's a guy that is trying to follow this. Um, let me set up the context. So, Jesus has just been arrested. Okay? Okay? Uh, He's already had the Last Supper. All that stuff's happened. It was that late that night. He's been arrested. Now they take him before the religious leaders. The religious leaders decide, yep, Jesus is blasphemous. We want to get rid of him. We want to take him out. And so the only way they can do that, the religious leaders do not have the authority to do that, and so they give him, Jesus, to the Roman governor of that area. His name is Pilate. Okay, Pilate has the authority to, to declare if Jesus is innocent or guilty. He's the only one that has the authority to do that. So they hand Jesus over to Pilate and they say, hey, this guy is an insurrectionist. He's leading a revolution. He's committed these crimes and we want you to kill him. That's basically what they say, okay? And so now Pilate has Jesus in his presence. And Pilate's job is to make a decision about whether Jesus is guilty or innocent. That's his job, that's his decision. That's before him, and so Pilate does things that we would normally do. He asks Jesus questions. He has a conversation with him. He says, "Well, they say that you say that you're king of the Jews. Is that true? Are you the king of Jews and uh, Messiah and you know all these kind of things?" He asks him all these questions, and then Pilate's like, "Well, I'm just not sure." And so he sends him to another leader. His name is Herod. Herod tries to talk to Jesus. Herod talks to him, and then Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate. Pilate asks him more questions, and then I want to read for you what Pilate says and what he does. Listen to this. Luke chapter 23, verses 13 and 14. Then Pilate, again, this is the Roman governor, called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people. In other words, there's a huge crowd of people in front of him listening to what he's about to say. And he announced his verdict. You brought this man speaking of Jesus, to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Now, leave that up there for just a moment. Look at what Pilate says. Now, remember that this was originally recorded in Greek. He wasn't speaking Greek, but it was recorded in the Greek language. Notice that he says... I have examined him thoroughly. Now in our mind, in the English language, that just doesn't quite help us understand what's actually going on. Because that seems like he's looking at Jesus, or he questioned Jesus, but this is actually a different thing. You know what that word is that that we translate into I have examined him thoroughly? Anakrino. That one Greek word is all of those words together. What the author is trying to tell us in this moment, he's recording this about Jesus. What he's trying to help us understand is that Pilate discerned that Jesus is innocent. He didn't make the decision. He discerned, anacrino, that Jesus, there's no way that Jesus committed any of these crimes. He's completely innocent. He knows this on a deep level gut spiritual level that's what anacrino means he didn't just make a decision he is saying there is no evidence there's no way that this guy this jesus is guilty i know what's truth i know what's right this is what's right he's innocent now the first part of discernment is what remember what i said You have to hear God correctly. Did Pilate hear God correctly? He did. He knows. He knows the right decision to make, and that is to release Jesus. He's innocent. He does not deserve the punishment. So he discerned God's voice correctly. But what's the second part of discernment? You have to do what he says. Now, I don't know if you you most of us know the story. Jesus was crucified on the cross. So we know something changed. Let's read it. This is what happens after the discernment of Pilate. Listen to this. A couple of verses later. Pilate says, Nothing this man, Jesus, has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Just stop there for a moment. Notice that Pilate It says, Pilate wanted to release Jesus. And they kept saying, crucify him, crucify him. But Pilate wanted to release Jesus. Do you know why Pilate wanted to release Jesus? Because Pilate knew this is an innocent man. If I don't Let him go. If I don't release him, I'm going against what obviously is right and is godly and is good. I've discerned God's will. This guy is innocent. He knows what he's supposed to do. And yet the crowd keeps shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, he demanded, Pilate demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified, and their voices, catch this, prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. Did you notice what happened there? It's important. Pilate discerned correctly that Jesus is innocent. The right course of action is to let Jesus go. He knows that. But what caused him to change his mind? The louder voices in the room. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen where a meeting is going one direction and, and truth is definitely winning and, and, and everything seems to be kind of going that way? And then somebody speaks up, the louder voice in the room, the person that has more emphasis and more power in the room, and they speak up and everybody knows that's not right. Everybody knows that's not truth. Everybody knows that's not good, but everybody falls in line under the mob. Anybody ever seen that happen? And I've seen that. The louder voices sometimes win the day when they shouldn't. The mob sometimes wins the day when they shouldn't. Pilate knew he discerned what he's supposed to do, but he didn't do it. Why? To save his own job, to save his skin, right? Because Pilate, I don't know about you, but the Roman Caesar, he kind of has a lot of power in the Roman Empire at this point. And if you get a letter from Caesar, it's not a good thing. Generally speaking, it's not a good thing. And and Pilate does not want to get the attention of Caesar in a bad way. If he releases Jesus, he knows what's going to happen. The mob is going to start rioting, then he's going to have violence on his hands, then he's going to have all this stuff. If he does the right thing, it's a harder path for him. Let me just say this, is it possible that sometimes discerning God's voice, God's will, is going to be the harder path? At least based on my experience in my walk with God, more often than not, God's voice is calling me to do something that's harder, not easier. It's going against the flow, it's not going with it. And so my question to you today is this. What are you discerning about God's voice for this year? Because if it's true that God will call us, if we hear his voice, that God will call us to harder things, not so much safe things, not so much comfortable things, but going against the grain a little bit, are we willing to do that? So let me just give you one example of this, and then uh, we'll land the plane. Okay. So when Laura and I, before we ever moved here... Uh, we had to discern what God wanted us to do. We were currently at a large church in North Dakota. I was a children's ministry pastor there. And uh, we had these six options on the table. I've talked to you guys about this before. There were six options on the table. And uh, some were at that church. A couple of the options were at that church. A couple others were in a different states, not Wisconsin, somewhere else. One in Ohio, one down actually to leave North Dakota and go to South Dakota. And there was one option. Uh, I've told you this before. But there was one option that I had been praying to God and say, if God, God if there's ever an opportunity to go to that church and work with that team, uh, like it's an automatic yes for me. I just I want to do that. That's going to be great. It was it was a church that was doing amazing things, and it was in an area where there was lots of climbing around, like mountainous kind of areas. You guys know how I feel about mountains. I'm like, oh. Okay, I can do ministry at that church with that team, and on my days off, I can just go climb. it would not be better than that. This just makes all the sense in the world. My facts, my list, I'm done, and it's on the table. I'm talking to the lead pastor. He wants me to go there. This is great. It's one of the six options. And God, very clearly in discernment, although the facts said these five other options are safe, you're going to have a given salary. You're set. By the way, Laura and I had Jackson and Hannah at this point. Jackson was not quite three years old. Hannah was almost a year old. Not quite, she was still a baby. So cute, Hannah. All right? Was, and and that, that's where we're at. So what do I, why do I say that? Because there's a lot on the line. I've got two mouths in addition to feed. And now I'm supposed to make ends meet. And, I, and now out of the six options you're going to ask me to move to Dane County, Wisconsin and start a church, I, don't, I won't even have a job for a while. That doesn't make any sense according to math or science or any other facts. It, it just doesn't. If I want safety and security and comfort, one of these five are going to be, especially that one by the mountains. <laughs> God, I, I'd really like you to say yes to that one. Now, let me be clear. Some of you are like, you're kind of wondering if I'm regretting that I'm standing here right now. (laughs) I'm not. Not even remotely. I I mean that. I'm being very honest about this. I know beyond all doubt, I'm 100% clear and sure and at peace that this is where God wants us. Today, as he did back then. No doubt about it. I'm clear on that. I'm just telling you, that back then, when the decision had to be made, it didn't make any sense according to facts or evidence at all. What if you and I made a commitment to walk into 2024 not just making decisions based on facts, but actually discerning what God's voice is telling you for this year? What if we went level deeper than just making decisions and we sought God's voice before we make those decisions. What word, what words, what mission, what would God be calling you to do if we did that? That's what I want you to wrestle with today and going into this first year, first of this year. What is God saying when you hear what God is saying, what will you do about it? Are you willing to go deeper than decisions and go to discernment? Anacrino. It's a good word. And it's kind of cool to say. Are you willing to live by it? If you believe in God, I believe it's the only way to go. In just a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to sing a final song, very appropriate talks about listening to God, about hearing his words. So you'll see that when we sing it. We're going to stand. We're going to sing together. And as soon as that song's done, maybe you're ready. You, some of you walked in. You have your word. You already know. You're like, I already got my word. I didn't need to hear you listen and talk about all this. I've discerned what it is. Cool. Some of you are like, I don't know what my word is. Some of you are freaking out because you don't want to mess it up before you stamp it in. No matter where you are, don't freak out about it. Don't worry. Let's just in these next few moments, listen to what God is telling us. Listen to that and allow God to lead you this year. Stamp it in and then wear it, remember it, and live by it. And 2024 will be exactly what it's supposed to be with God leading you the whole way. So after we sing this last song, All the bracelets and necklaces are right behind the tech table back there. You go pick that up. There's gonna be people at the tables they are gonna help you with the stamping thing because there's kind of a way to do it and they'll help you with that. But stamp it and then once you're done, you can hang out, you can eat more donuts. See the sugar coma continues. But let's discern God's voice here today and let's jump into the new year saying, God, you're number one. I'm gonna listen to your voice I'm going to discern what you want. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for um, 2023. And thank you for the fact that we have another year. 2024, here we go. It's right around the corner, whether we like it or not. And in this moment, Lord, um, help us to realize and remember and listen to your voice. Sometimes the hardest part of discernment is taking the time to actually listen for your voice. So over the next few minutes, as we sing this song about listening for your words, I pray that you would help us to hear your words, hear your voice, hear your heart, hear your love, your joy, your forgiveness, the peace that you want to offer us. May your voice be the loudest in the room here today. And may whatever you say, Because every one of us in here, I believe, is going to have a different word, a different phrase, a different reason for those things. God, as we hear this, as we discern your voice, may you guide and direct us to the year that you want us to have and what you want us to do and who you want us to be this year. We are listening. Help us to follow. We ask and pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.